This is the MLW Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho off the Top Roast Podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry, then look no further than here, OTTR Headquarters. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and whatever that you get your podcast from with our, with our latest Last Week of Wrestling, After Darts, Under Boss's Hard Taste, and now our new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Every, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. Blackheart out. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah, yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go we... way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two heelsandaface.com Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. 
and most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material brand. My name is Mike Freeland. We are brought to you by the MLW Radio Network. Catch all of our podcasts over on MLWRadio.com. You can also catch us over on Stitcher, iTunes, FM, Player, and you can also catch us on iHeartRadio. We are an absolutely free podcast. That's right, kids. Don't don't reach into your wallet or your pocket. We're absolutely free. Anywhere fine podcasts are made available. Once again, we come into your living room each and every week. It is myself and my partner from the north. I affectionately refer to him as the ass man, but you can call him Mr. Christopher Butt. Butster, what's going on, buddy? This is it, my man. Another day, another dollar. Uh, no, a little bit of shoveling today. Six inches of snow. It's the only way to wait for get six inches around here. Uh, it snows. <laughs> and yeah, that's about it. Oh my God! Already, what? What? Fifty-five seconds into it, and we're already uh, we're already hitting with the low-hanging fruit. I love it. I love You're it. You're welcome. Uh man. Last time I got six inches uh, it was at summer camp '87. But uh, we'll let bygones be bygones. Um, so many things are happening in the world of wrestling, and I want to kind of go into it because AEW's Revolution is going to be coming up, and that's going to be a really big event for the company, especially because there is some potential big plans that are being put into motion as of right now. We'll be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about the uh, updated WrestleMania card, if you can even refer to it as updated. There is uh, very little to announce as far as WrestleMania. Now, keep in mind, there's still five weeks before WrestleMania happens, so I'm sure things will start coming together. The pictures will become more clear, or Vince will be allegedly giving suggestions, and things will get murkier and murkier, and this might be a really bad WrestleMania. I'm not really sure. We'll talk to the butt on that one. We also got some news from Chris Jericho. We also have some news from Eddie Kingston as well. We got some trademarking news. And is Kenny Omega potentially entertaining the thought of going to WWE after his contract expires? We'll go ahead and we'll delve into that. We'll also talk about what it may look like if Kenny did jump to WWE. Would he be looked at fondly or would he not? So all that and so much more. But Buster, let's kind of jump into it right now. Um, we have the big pay-per-view that is AEW Revolution. That's going to be a big event that's going to be happening in San Francisco, California at the Chase Center. That's going to be on March the 5th, 2023. Uh, we have the Dynamite episode that's going to be coming up this week. So a lot of things should be kind of solidified as of right now. But I think the card looks good. Um, I don't know if I would say great, but I think it's definitely looking good. So, um, so far, what are your thoughts on, on just the matches that you're aware of as of right now? Well, so far, there's seven matches announced that, that I see anyhow. And every one of them is going to be amazing. Every match is going to be dynamite, dare I say. I like that. But there's, there's not a bad match on the card. 
No, I don't think there's any any bad matches. I, I'm just wondering how they're going to play things out. And there's a couple of matches we'll, we'll clearly get into. Um, but let's kind of start off with the the fact that they've got the T, uh, not the TNT, um, <laughs> the AEW Tag Team uh, Champions. It's going to be a fatal four-way, and they still have another team that needs to be announced. That allegedly is going to be determined this week on Dynamite. You got the Guns, the acclaimed Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus one other team. Um, let me first start off by saying I know that not everybody was that excited about the Guns taking the titles. A lot of people thought that the acclaimed were super white hot. Everybody was very much into their gimmick. Merchandise was selling. Do you also agree sometimes you got to sell high and you got to get out when it's going good and start building a new stars? And I really like the guns. I, I can't explain it. Are you drawn to the guns? Do you find them to be intriguing in your opinion? Or is the jury still out as far as you're concerned? Jury's still out on my end. Uh, no, I didn't like the acclaim either. That's a pretty well-known fact. I didn't care for them. And I'm a fan. I'm a believer. No problem at all. Uh, so maybe the guns will grow on people. I can't be the only person that's in that category that the guns are not over with. Um, I don't know. I, I like Billy Gunn. I think Billy's going to go back to him. I think that's a pretty much foregone conclusion at this point. They're going to figure out a way to work him back in with his boys. Um, me, personally, I would have kept the belts on the Acclaim. Uh, I think just dangle a little bit longer. Maybe try to get the guns a little more little more exposure, a little more big time, you know, matches and whatnot. That's what I would have done personally. Uh, there's lots of life left in the Acclaim. It's not like they're going to get buried and become nothings. People still love him. When uh, Caster comes out with his raps, and I don't even like rap. I think it's dumb. But when he comes out, hey, I'll turn it on. I make sure. And if I miss the first little bit of it, we're rewinding it. Like, I want to hear who he's cutting up, what politically incorrect thing he's going to say, and I'm going to laugh. And he's good. Bones is dynamite. He's fan, and that's not a play at all. He is amazing. Oh, absolutely. And I agree. He, he's excellent. So, I mean, the acclaim are not going to suffer from losing the belts. It's not, you know, like sometimes when a, a, a talent loses the belt, they get buried, they get lost. The acclaim will not. Not at all. They're still going to be. Their biggest draw is their entrance. Yeah, no, I they're, agree. They're like um, uh, Road Dog and Billy Gunn. That's their biggest draw. They're, they're amazing in the ring. Do not get me wrong. But the big thing for them that gets them over is when they come in, he gets to rapping. They do the scissor me with the fans, the scissor me daddy ass. That gets everybody hyped up. That's their big draw. They're, that's always going to work for them. Just like that will always work for Road Dog and Billy Dog. If they were ever get back together type of thing. So the acclaim will be fine. Uh, the guns, I just think it's a little early for the guns, personally. They're very good. They've got a good look. They got talent, good lineage. I just think it's a touch too soon, personally. 
Well, when you talk about the tag team division inside of AEW, it's very deep. And I mean, we, we've said that about their, their roster in itself. Their roster in itself is really deep. However, I do like to remind people that AEW, and I don't know if this is the same way in WWE, but it, it's on a tiered system. So not everyone's getting a fat contract. So I just want to make sure, you know, people are aware that that is not 100% uh, the case. So some people are brought in on short-term deals, um, but they they do have a deep tag team roster. And I want to talk about some of the tag teams that are that are in the the division because I think it's interesting. Let's talk about it for a second. When we talk about teams that we think that can really be brought into that next level, right? Look at the blondes. The blondes with Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison. You even said yourself you were a big fan of, of Griff Garrison. And, and Griff, Griff had gotten hurt. Do you, do you think that the blondes are one of those teams that still needs more seasoning? Or do you think that they're one of those teams that is ready to take that next step? Because we've seen, we've seen them for a while, especially when they were with Julia Hart. And they seemed to get the audience behind them, but they never really got that that, that big moment, if that makes sense. That big, that big win, that big signature victory to really kind of solidify them as as, as players. You know, we either contenders or pretenders we usually use in football, but... What do you think about the blondes themselves? We haven't seen Brian Pillman Jr. in a while. Griff was injured. He's is going to be on the mend right now. Do you think that they have to repackage them, or do you think they try to keep this whole blonde thing going right now? I hope they keep it going. Um, they're definitely with, with uh, Griff getting hurt and, and Pillman being gone. So when if they do bring them back as diversity blondes. Uh, I would hope they'd, they'd play it up a bit. Hey, the returning varsity blondes do something to that extent. But they're going to have to to put in some work to get to relevancy again because you're kind of forgotten. They were never a big-time team. It's not that they were ever mentioned in the superstars and the elites. Not, I don't mean like the Young Bucks elites, but I'm talking like the elite caliber. Sure. They were a serviceable tag team. I thought they were fantastic. Uh, you know that. I've, I've said it umpteen times. Um, but they were never... I don't think they're ever going to be a big-time team. I think they're just always going to be... If they keep them together, they'll always just be that serviceable tag team that'll always be around, that put off solid matches with a lot of talent and make people look good. That's what I think they're going to be. I don't think they're ever a championship. Uh, they're just not there. I, Maybe things I, have changed, but right now they're not there. I feel I feel that's kind of the sentiment about a lot of the tag teams in AEW. They're good. They put on good matches. They have good chemistry with a lot of the other teams, but they're not quite at that championship caliber level. Let me now kind of segue into another tag team that I think is really good. Unfortunately, it it really hasn't translated into success. And I feel like at some point in time, either you're going to have to cut bait with them or you're going to have to do something with them. And that's the Butcher and the Blade. I, I really, really loved what they did. Their look was really good. And unfortunately, that never really transpired into audience support 
let me ask you, why do you think two guys like that who technically are really good, one's a brawler, one's very technical, but they got that barroom feel to them, almost kind of like an FTR feel, but just looking differently. Why do you think that they just never really, at least up to this date, have gotten much of a of a look right now from Tony Khan? A butcher got hurt. He was, he was gone for a bit of... He hurt his finger, I believe it was. He had to do a surgery on his finger or his hand or something, something like that. Uh, he's actually in a rock and roll band in, in Buffalo. But okay. I knew that or not. Um, so why they don't get over, I don't know. That's a very good question. They're excellent. They're very, very good. Right. I'm, I've seen um, the Blade live a couple times up here, and he's amazing. They're in right? Are we talking about the big the, the big guy with the Fu Manchu? That's Butcher, right? That's Butcher, correct. So Butch is Butcher in the rock band, I thought? No. He is. Butcher's he is. in the rock band. Okay. Yeah, he's the one that had a surgery on his hand or his finger or something. something gotcha. Like okay. Now Blade used to be Pepper something, Pepper, Pepper something. Pepper Parks. Pepper Parks. There you go. Because he's from um he's from Buffalo or Hamilton or something. Okay. Not far from here. So I've seen him a couple times up here, and he's he's fantastic. Very good in the ring. They, what he does on TV doesn't do him justice. He's excellent. I don't know why they never got over. Did they get lost in the shuffle, possibly? I don't know, but they have two of the things you want right off the get-go. They got the look. Yeah. And they have a beautiful valet. Right, this is true. But that, that's a, that'll get you a start. Right. That'll get, get you, that'll get you in the beginning. In the ring. That'll get you a start. But yeah. they're both good in the ring. I think the biggest thing to stop them was the injury. I think that's kind of what derailed them. Once again, do I think they're in the upper echelon? Upper mid, maybe. Okay. Kicking around. Right. I, I don't think they'd ever become your champion. I'd love to see it. I I think it'd be excellent. I just don't think they're they're there. There's... there's I won't say there's too many because there's not too many people ahead of them. They're just not there. Okay, so let me ask you this question, and, and this is something that we we saw for many years in in WWE, where it would be there would be a handful, maybe five, maybe six tops, of people that would truly get the support, as far as just the booking and whatnot. I mean, it was obvious. And then there was everyone else in that kind of situation feels like that kind of segs, eggs me into this next one is the dark order. I, I, I've almost feel like Alex Reynolds and John silver. They were ready a while ago and Tony Khan never really pulled the trigger on that. Now I do realize that they had tag teams like, Kenny Omega and you had a with him and hangman Adam page and you clearly had the young bucks who had him and then FTR had him for forever. And then obviously the acclaimed won them. But I feel like even when we were coming out of the pandemic, I felt like Alex Reynolds and John silver, Johnny Hungy, they were ready. And I'm really hoping that they actually are the last team that gets into the, the tag team, um, four-way dance that's going to be happening at revolution you and i talked about this they're once again they're right there with the butcher and the blade um that next tier of tag teams 
if you were Alex Reynolds and John Silver, you got to be looking at the clock going, hey, man, contract is is uh, only for so long. Do you feel like maybe if they don't do something with us now, would we resign and stay mixed in the shuffle or do we try to take our services elsewhere? What do you think a Alex Reynolds and John Silver should do? I hope if they don't get a push of some sort, this pains me to say, I hope they leave because they're just getting buried. They're amazing. They are a team that is in the next level. They should be getting something. They're not even on TV. I know. How often do you see them on Dynamite? You you don't see them on Dynamite. Right. And even even more uh, scarce are they on Rampage. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I haven't even seen them recently, but that I think that's the big problem. That's a travesty. We don't even see these guys in action in other matches. The whole Dark Order started off red hot, and unfortunately, really passed, and they got lost. That's what happened there. They didn't have a backup plan for them. Then again, you can't ever plan for that to happen, so I get it didn't have a backup plan. But they seem like they just don't know what to do with anybody from the Dark Order. No. No, Preston Vance, he's moving on, and he's doing very good for himself. I would agree. Fantastic talent. Yes, he is. Evil Uno. There's nothing happening with him. And me personally, I like Evil Uno. I've seen him a couple times live. He's very, very good. Yes. I'll show him last this whole inferno. He doesn't fancy him too much, but that's we're gonna we're gonna get to the comments on Disco. I'm glad you did a good segue there. But continue with your thoughts about the Dark Order. I mean Uh, they they just got lost. At this point, the Dark Order needs to be done away with. Because it's 100% it agreed. And there's no bringing it back now. Now it's it's irrelevant. Nobody cares anymore. So I think, personally, you're better off at this point to just blow that up. You yeah. keep you keep all the talent that are there. Right? And the fact that they let Stu Grayson go is mind-numbing. That makes my brain hurt. Because he was probably the best wrestler out of the lot. Yeah, he he's damn good. He's right. doing very well over in Impact Wrestling right yeah. now. If you're well, a Stu Grayson, doing a lot of shows up here too because he's from up here. He's from Ontario. He's still doing the indie shows up here, and every match is fantastic. He's he's awesome, right? So they they dropped the ball on that, right? So I, at this point, the Dark Order just needs to be done away with. Just let's just move on. Like you keep Johnny Hungry and Alex Reynolds together. No, you keep Evil Uno, because he's a very serviceable wrestler. Never going to push him to the moon, but he's a serviceable wrestler. Right? So you, you keep him there, but you got to do something with the Dark Order. I don't know how. Do you just have some kind of a falling out and blow it up type of thing? But something's got to be done. Uh, um, Reynolds and Silver need to push. Or if not, boys, go back to the Indies. You'll do just as good, I'm sure, in the Indies. People want to see them. They're amazing. Unfortunately, Johnny Hungy is hilarious. He is. And that's probably his downfall, is he's hilarious. I think that's what happened. But you see him on... Um, BTE. Uh, B, yeah, BTE. And he's fantastic, but that's all he is now. There's, 
there's no there's he's a caricature of himself at this point he is and that's unfortunate because he's damn good in the ring alex reynolds damn good in the ring they should be getting a push of some sort but they're just buried they're done and it's unfortunate but i, I hope they get some kind of a push they're way too good to keep going the way they are We've talked about this on numerous occasions, you know, and, and everyone wants a push, right? Mm-hmm. Every wrestler thinks that they should get a push. Everybody wants to be in that title picture. Here's what I would say. I would kind of say that, but I would tweak it a little bit. I would say every wrestler just wants to work. Every wrestler just wants to be used and and, and let them display their talents. And unfortunately, when you have people who aren't getting a push, but they're not even getting on camera time even in a losing cause they're not even getting on camera time and i think that's really really bothersome because yeah there's a lot of people on the roster and i know that it's super hard to get everybody's screen time when you mainly have four or five storylines that you're running and everything else is basically you know filler material i hate to say it but it is um it's just it's tough it's really tough, but I can see where a lot of people get frustrated, and I would get frustrated too. I mean, unless you're making a hell of a paycheck and you just, you know, you just want to make the money. But I think a lot of those guys aren't just about the paycheck; they want to actually perform while they're young enough to do it. Because it seems like the trend now in wrestling is after a certain point, I'm checking out, and I I like that concept, but I think it even makes it more you know, uh, essential for people to get looked at quicker. And I think that's kind of why Tony Khan is trying to push younger guys. But, man, you've got to push some of your vets that you have. Um, but they're not old. They're not, not old. Not like uh, Silver and, and Reynolds are old. They're not. What are they, in their early 30s? Well, right, but I'm also referring to, like, Butcher and Blade as well. Yes. I mean, a lot of these guys, they're probably, I would say, if you look at the next five years, I don't think you're going to see Butcher and Blade around. No. I just, I just, you know, five on time TV. Up to everybody. They'll still be kicking around on indies, but no, they won't be. They won't be I want to talk about something you had just brought up, and I thought you made a really, really good point. It was a good segue, too, by the way. Was Evil Uno. So... Those of you who who listen to Keeping It 100 with Conan, obviously one of his uh, partners, if you will, is Disco Inferno. And he went on and he made this comment. He said, Dynamite was a decent show with some strong segments until the main event. You can't put a fat wrestler with tits in the last segment and have him bleed profusely all over the place and think this is how you draw viewers. So I want to ask you a question. Obviously, let's let's keep all things in perspective. Podcasters, radio hosts, they're doing this for clicks, right? They're doing this for the shock. They're doing this for the looks, all of that stuff. But I want to I want to know what your thoughts were about that match. Do you feel like that showcased? both guys in a good light do you feel like like it was a good match how did you feel because i know uno typically wrestles in like a a vest Uh but i know he's wrestled out of a vest before as well was that something that bothered you was that something that you saw that you thought oh gosh from a physical standpoint 
you know, you got Mox and then you got this guy. And it's just, it just doesn't look good. The aesthetics doesn't really look good. Or would you say, I can give a shit less about that. I like the match. So in your take, what was your thoughts on the match? And then subsequently, what was your thoughts on Disco's comments? I thought the match was excellent. Uh, Mox is very good in the ring. Well-known fact. Eve Luno is very good in the ring. Not so well-known of a fact. He can wrestle. He is no slouch by no stretch of the imagination. I thought the match was great. The bleeding, it's a Mox match, so you know there's going to be blood. That's just the way it is. Uh, I expect Uno to bleed like that. He bled like a stuck pig. Oh, my God. That yeah. was almost scary. Yeah, it, that was. There was there was a lot of blood. Like, and I'm not a squeamish person, but, man, that was a lot of blood. Right, But that was a good match. I can't, you know, was it, uh, is it going to go down as an all-time classic? No. But it was a good match. I was entertained by it. I watched it. I liked it. Um, him having tits, whatever, being fat, however the hell you want to put it. Oh, Christ almighty. Give me a break. Big deal. Big deal. Okay, so he's not in fantastic shape. He still wrestle. He's still entertaining. Does it I don't care? Does it stop him from being able to put on a good match? No. So if it doesn't stop him putting on a good match, what the hell matters? Kevin Steen. Kevin Owens. But I don't call KO. He's not in great shape. He wrestles in a shirt. Really? But he can go. You're going to tell me he's no good? Oh, he's fat. He's got tits. Well, he's pretty damn good. And keeping him 100. Are they on the MLW? Before I say anything else? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just I, I uh, keeping it 100. That's a great, great question. I don't keep up with keeping it 100. Nor do I. Because I have a life. So with that being said, uh, I don't really listen to what they say. And this is no offense to their product. It's just the problem I have is, um, I don't know. I feel like it's it's kind of being judgmental in an area where you don't really need to be, if that makes sense. That's one of the many things that's been said on Keep It 100. It, it's just like, well, why? Okay, so, okay, so this whole inferno is going to cut up Evil Luna. Don't get me wrong. When when Disco wrestled, great shape. Mm-hmm. God-awful wrestler. Yeah, he's pretty rough. Pretty rough. He did, he did the Dancing Queen thing, 70s Disco, and that's about it. Evil Luna was five times the wrestler he is. I'm not joking. He is five times the wrestler he is. So for Disco Inferno, Glenn, whatever the hell his real name is, to say that, is foolish. Just absolute nonsense. That's my PC answer. No, I respect it. I respect it completely. It's, uh, it's just a shame. It's a shame when, you know, you have... You have a platform, like a podcast, and you have the ability to influence a lot of people, whether they should watch something or maybe not watch something. Jim Cornette has that same abilities. There's a lot of podcasts that have that influential aspect onto the audience. Now, 
have we talked about it's getting a little redundant with the blood with John Moxley? It's 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 almost becoming a a, a a meme. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, here we go. You know, when Flair would bleed, we would be like, here we go again. Flair's bleeding, and now Moxley's bleeding. And I think that in itself, I, I would agree, probably needs to dial it back a little bit because when it happens so often, it kind of takes the feeling away. But in that same breath, Uno was the one who really, really bled. And, and folks, if you haven't seen this match, you're going to want to run it back again and watch it because he bleeds a lot. And nowhere near is this the Eddie Guerrero. Was it Eddie Guerrero, JBL? JBL. And then there was like, it, was there a, who John Cena did one where he just was an absolute mess. And I'm trying to remember who that was against. But when I saw the Eddie Guerrero JBL one, well, I, I thought he was going to bleed to death. I had no, I'd never seen that before. And that was just intense. But the blood, it doesn't bother me. It's just the simple fact that I think that it's overdone. But with Uno, it was new. It was fresh. It worked in that moment. He was in there with someone violent and vicious like John Moxley. But but I'm with you. They They need to disband the the dark order and, and move on from this because it's not benefiting anyone. No, it's not benefiting anyone. I mean, and they move Preston Vance and it, you know, he's doing better. He's getting some looks. Why would you put a guy like that under a, a mask? Good looking guy. He's got a great physique. He's got charisma. So why not go in a different direction? If the one you're currently doing isn't working. So I think they should do the same with, um, Reynolds and Johnny Hungy and uh, and Evil Uno, but uh, that's that's kind of my take so far. Um, I'm really really hoping that we start seeing some changes that are going to be in the works in the near future when it comes to AEW and who gets some pushes because man, there are some people who have paid their dues and then some and still have not gotten their right place on the card. I agree. Um, let's also talk about another match that I'm kind of, I'm interested in, but yet I don't want to say that I'm not, let me ask you this Moxley. Cause we just talked about him. So we're going to bring him into this next segment, Moxley and hangman page in a Texas death match. Now blood's already on the menu. I mean, yeah. that's about saying, I mean, the word death match. Okay. As long as it's not that sparkler crap that happened during the pandemic, I think we're going to be all right. Are are we are we done with with uh, with Hangman and Moxley? I mean, soon, we, soon. I hope so. We we. I mean, got to move I, on. It, it, it's it's we got to wrap this up. It's been good. They're both fantastic. They both put off great matches. But let's yes. move on. Let's get some new feuds going because. They're both just going to get wasted on this. Well, and their bodies are taking a punishment and a toll right now. And well, it's I mean, like, that's just Mox, though. I mean, his. Hey, listen here. I love Mox. He ain't going to have a long career. Oh, absolutely not. He's here for he a good can't. time, not a long time. Right. I mean, he did the CZW stuff before, you know, and then when he was in WWE, some of his stuff was was getting pretty, uh, pretty violent. Then since he's been to AEW, especially since he came back from his little stint there, he's vicious. Yeah, it, he is. It's it's fun to watch. 
but it doesn't create longevity. Well, let me ask you what, what it, okay. Who has more to gain? And I think I know the answer to this and I think I know what you're going to say, but who has more to gain in a victory in a Texas death match? Is this going to be John Moxley or is this hangman Adam page? Hangman has more to win, more Absolutely. to gain from this win. Cause yes. this is not his gimmick. He's he's not the hardcore, vicious, violent wrestler. He he's a, he's a very good wrestler. Not that Mox isn't, but Mox has kind of gotten away from the wrestling to more of the hardcore, extreme brawler. And he's always had that to a certain extent, but he's really gotten his matches are fisticuffs at this point. They're they're just knockdown, drag out. Ass kicking affairs, right? Page matches. He's still pulling off wrestling, professional wrestling. Yep. Right. So it's it's very good, but he has way more to gain from winning in this. Hey, I went into Mox's into his world. We did the death match thing, and I beat him at his own game. And so he's got more to gain from it. Way more to benefit. And he's going to win, let's be honest. That's what's going to come to this. It's it's going to have to come to this. Um, they're, they're one and one when it comes to this. This is the rubber match. This has, to, this has to go the way for Hangman. Once again, Hangman has more, you know, to lose. I mean, his stock will drop. If Moxley loses, people are going to look at Moxley as just... I look at Moxley as an extension of the APA in a lot of ways. And he fits into that Bradshaw... Um, Ron Simmons type of feel, but I think that if you're AEW, you have to continue to put the emphasis on the younger guys because if you do not, you're gonna slowly start to have guys that are just have way too much tread on the tire. There's the tires are gonna get bald, and then at this point in time, it's gonna be like, well, here we are. Mm-hmm. We put all this investment into these established guys and for a cup of coffee, it worked, but long-term it doesn't work. And I think that's where we're starting to see Tony Khan do some of these decisions. Now, some of his decisions aren't always the greatest. I think we'll agree. Yes. To put it mildly. Yes. Some of them aren't, aren't the greatest. Um, Let's just kind of throw this out here. Our next match happening at Revolution is Samoa Joe, who is the TNT champion, and he's also the Ring of Honor television champion, and he says he's the king of television. Well, obviously, Ring of Honor is not on television, but he's going to be taking on Wardlow. I got a very sneaky suspicion Wardlow is going to go over. And if you saw the promo he cut, meaning Wardlow, on Dynamite this past week, you know, he had talked about how, you know, he had lost his father and his father always had long hair. So he wanted to mimic his father and have long hair. Joe cuts the long portion of his hair off and he says, Joe, that's the thing you took away from me that connected me with my father, my late father. So I I get it. They're kind of making it kind of personal. But again, I mean, is Samoa Joe really going to be your guy? I mean, I think you bring in Samoa Joe to have a good match with Wardlow to give Wardlow that signature W. And I think only someone to the caliber of Samoa Joe 
can really give that polish, that rub to somebody like Wardlow. Um, I mean, you got you got to think about would Wardlow then be considered to be somebody who would go after Max? Would that be something the fans would want to see? Let me ask you this. Uh, clearly, Wardlow's going to have a world title reign at some point in time. I think we all kind of agree. It's just a matter of when. Do you think that's what the AEW audience wants to see when it comes to this? Or do you think that they really want to have it on, you know, more of the slimy, dastardly, you know, talks filthy, you know, that type of almost Ric Flair kind of guy as the champion? Or if you're Tony Khan, do you say... Absolutely. At some point, it's off of Max and it's on to Wardlow. What's your what's your take as far as where you see Wardlow now and where he's going? Uh, Wardlow's going over, Joe. I've revolutionized. I can't see why you wouldn't. Uh, Joe's established all that good stuff. Been been around forever. Fantastic. We still got to create future stars. Wardlow's excellent. I absolutely love Wardlow. And I want to see him and Max. You know, the only thing is with that now, it's almost a bit past. It is. I'm glad you said that. They they missed that. If you had done it first when they broke up, went to separate ways, whatever, you know, after Max was treating them like shit and all that stuff, then you're like, yep, this is the time. That would have been good. No, hindsight's always 2020. No armchair booker. Fine, uh, and I'm not saying that they're not doing good. Don't get me wrong. It's just in hindsight, that's when you had your chance, right? That would have been just the burn burner. Yeah, it would have. But I, you can still do it. You have to put a little more work in. You got to heat it back up again. Still do it, which can be done. It's been done. Wrestling does it all the time. So I think you want to go with that. For me, I would have Wardlow go over Joe. But I'm not throwing to Wardlow MJF right now. Absolutely not. I agree with that. It's not there. There, There's nothing. You got to work that in somehow. There's got to be some creative writing, some good storytelling going on there somewhere. Because if you throw them in together now, how how do you write that story? Oh, do you remember when Wardlow was MJF's lackey? He treated him like shit. Too long ago. People yeah, haven't even statement. remember it, but I'm Correct. not invested in it anymore. Absolutely. So you gotta you gotta write me a story. You you gotta give me something to bring that back in. But uh, there's no way you're gonna have Joe go over Wardlow. It's just bad business. Listen, Joe's not gonna be on AEW much longer. He's going to be a Ring of Honor guy. And that's, and there's nothing wrong, not a damn thing wrong with that. He is a Ring of Honor legend. So let's get Wardlow, younger man, homegrown talent, AEW homegrown talent. Let's get him a belt. Let's work with some of that stuff. Not going to hurt Joe. Now that Joe becomes a bum now, he's still a superstar. So that would be a better direction. You give Wardlow a little more rub, a little more push. You can build on him. He's what you want. He's not that old. Big man. Mm-hmm. Can wrestle. Mm-hmm. He's much better on the mic now than what he used to be. 
right? I mean, he, he still needs to work on his mic work a bit, but he's way better than what he used to be. That that promo about getting his hair cut with his dad, and that's why he grew a beard and all that good stuff. Oh, best probably the best I've ever seen him on a mic. I agree. And he, and he doesn't do a hell of a lot of mic. When he was with MJF, he didn't do too much on the mic. So it, this is a new progression with him. Uh, and it's a positive progression, and you keep it going. But he needs a little more season. You can't throw him right to the top right now. Not that he's not good enough. There's just no story to it. If you throw him to the top right now, it just doesn't make sense. No, and it falls flat, too, because yeah. the fans have kind of already come accustomed to AEW being long-term booking, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that separates them from WWE. WWE does not, at least from what I've continued to see, even in the Triple H era, but I don't even know if it's really the Triple H era anymore because Vince is back. So it's it's very blurry as far as who's doing what. But my point is, is that AEW does take their time and they let things build and they let things marinate. And then when the timing is right, they decide to pull the pull the trigger on something. Now you're right. Are many people going to remember the whole, you know, the lackey, him being the bodyguard and being treated terrible by Max? Yeah, some will. I mean, wrestling fans have a good memory, but it's not fresh in their mind. It's not something that they can say, oh, my God, like they have vested interest. That was a while ago. I mean, really, when you think about it, that was a while ago. So now you have to almost, you know, heat it back up again. And and how you do that, I'm not really sure. But I definitely know that when it comes to Wardlow, he's definitely going to have a world title reign. And it is going to be, I would say, in the next year and a half to two years. Um, I got an idea, if I may. Florida. For you, for you to get the Wardlow, if you go with the Wardlow MJF championship feud, you're so you're you're going to have Wardlow. He's gonna he's gonna beat Joe. He's gonna have some title reign or some, um, yeah. Try it again. He's gonna have some title defenses. You know, gonna build some hype, and then you just you have him do something simple. Call out Max. Hey. I want a shot at Mac. I want to be the champion. Da da da. Then you had just have Max be an absolute scumbag. Like he's so good at, you know. I mean that in a positive way. I mean that in the nicest way possible. He's a scumbag. You love watching him. And you just have Max do the, who are you to challenge me? I'm MJF. You're Wardlow. You were my lackey. You carried my bags. You're nothing. You're a piece of shit. Blah. You play that angle. You know, maybe have MJF, you know, uh, cheat Wardlow of a win or two, something like that. You have Wardlow do your run-in to help. And then you create it that way. That's the way you have to go with it. You have to bring back the, hey, do you remember when you were, you know, my minion? I think that would be how you go about it. That would be your best bet. As opposed to just start it completely fresh. You can't right. do that. That. There's too many people that will remember. Everybody won't, but there's too many people that will remember for you just start up as a completely fresh feud and not bring that up at all. I don't think that would work. Another match I want to talk about that's going to be on the card, it is Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho for the AEW Women's Championship. That's going to be happening once again at Revolution, which will be on March the 5th. In San Francisco, California, and the Chase Center. 
We've talked about this numerous times. Jamie Hayter is very, she's organic with the AEW audience. No matter if she's a face or a heel, people love her. And I think they love her because of her in-ring work. I think she put up with so much, and I think the audience saw how much she put up with Britt Baker. And and I feel like, and we often draw parallels, but the breaking up of Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker, there was a time that that could have really, really worked, and they never pulled the trigger on it. And it was a lot like people were clamoring for Wardlow to finally turn on Max, and that really wasn't happening. Um, I do like the way it eventually happened when he had the diamond ring and he went to toss it and it went to, you know, punk and he, he hit him. So one, I thought that was really well done. My point though is right now, Jamie Hader has the championship. She's so, so good in the ring. I don't necessarily know if I like this whole outsiders versus AEW homegrown women, uh, storyline that they're trying to, to stir the pot with. I don't know where you're going with that. A lot of people speculated maybe a blood and guts women's version at some point, which I don't think any of the women would really have any issues with bleeding. But specifically to get back to this match, you got Soraya, who she made a big splash when she came back, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't necessarily know if she's a great wrestler right now. I think she's a great character. I think she can really do well on the mic. The whole spray painting thing that she's doing right now, I don't know if I really get that. I'm not really sure if it's just pure humiliation or, or where she's trying to go. But Ruby Soho has busted her ass, and she was injured, and she came back. And I just feel like there's something to be said for a knockdown dragout fight with Ruby Soho and Jamie Hayter at some point, where we're going to see this clash. We are really going to see this clash. Um, I'm not saying that Jamie Hayter is going to drop the belt at this pay-per-view. I, I don't think she will, but I think something will come out of it. You know what I mean? Something will happen. Now, do you think Br- Britt's not on this card, but she ain't on this card at all. And unless something happens on Dynamite, which I do not expect, I don't think they're going to add a whole heck of a lot more. I don't think she's going to be on this card. Do you think they eventually break that up and Brit's jealousy just, you know, overcomes her and she becomes super jealous of Jamie Hader? Or do you think they keep them baby faces because Soraya and Tony Storm are doing this heel stuff? So it's kind of like, where do we go here? Neither. <laughs> just because I feel like arguing tonight. Neither. Um, I think what you're going to see is going to be a, a Ruby Soho, Jamie Hayter is what's going to happen. Uh, Britt's going to try to help. It's not going to work out well. Now we're talking down the road, okay? I, I'm not talking on the, was it the 6th, 5th or 6th, whatever it is. Are you saying right now you think Jamie Hayter retains? Jamie Hayter definitely retains. Clean? I, yes. Okay. I, uh, you have to right now. She, she's that dominant. She's that good. She is. I agree. Right. But I, I think what's going to eventually happen, and I think Ruby Soho is going to get her, her, her push, what she deserves, her, her respect, is you're going to see, because you can't keep Brit a face for long, because she's not a face. Correct. 
she plays a, a fantastic heel. And you love it. I love it. Anybody that's a wrestling fan loves Britt Baker as a heel. She plays it so good. She does. She, she's just a crappy person. She's better than she, she's well, she's female MJF, basically. You know, she's better than you. She's snotty. She looks down on you. Perfect. Love it. So what you're gonna see at a certain point, maybe a little bit down the road, you're gonna see Ruby and Hater are gonna be having a match. You no, know, Britt's gonna try to help to something like that, and it's gonna backfire. Ruby's gonna go over. Then you're gonna see Britt and Hater have a feud. Come out of that. That's what I think is gonna happen. Ruby's going to put your title. Because that opens up a ton of doors. New champion. Lots of new feuds can come of that. And you're going to get a small blurb of Britt and and Jamie Hayter. And you're going to see Britt turn back heel on that. Because they're going to be pissy with one another. I lost because of you. It's not my fault. It was an accident. You no, know, same thing that's been done 10,000 times in wrestling. This is true. They're going to have a match. Britt's going to get fed up and going to, you know, Go back to the old Brit that we all loved. And you're gonna have you're gonna get a little bit of a feud there. That's what I think is gonna happen, and it's gonna be the breakup of Brit and Jamie Hayter. Ruby's gonna go on. I think I don't think she's gonna align with the uh, the female NWO. Look, let, let's not kid ourselves. That's what but, that is. This but, is a ripoff of the NWO. The, the, the former WWE. However you want, it's all it is: the spray paint and the. Us versus them. Oh, screw off. It's been done. It was fantastic 25 years ago. Let's not do a complete Keep, rip off keep in it. mind, folks, the NWO was not necessarily original. It was done in New Japan as well already. And yeah. there's been many stories told by that's what was the inspiration for it. So, <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like we need, I agree with you. First of all, I agree with you. We need to get Britt back to being 100%. No doubt about that. Do we need to get her and Jamie Hayter uh, a feud going? Absolutely. I think people would just be jonesing for something like that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that you could have a Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker feud without the belt. Maybe Ruby gets the belt. And then all of a sudden, Ruby then kind of has a reign with the championship. And after Jamie Hayter and Britt are finished with theirs, then maybe whoever comes out of that. Plus, you got to keep in mind, Chris Statlander's coming back. I think that's going to be really good. She's a phenomenal talent. I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of other women. Hikaru Shida, who really changed herself. I think she could get back into the fold again. So I think there's more things you can do. But I think to get to ultimately where you want to go, you're going to have to have Britt and Jamie fight, which means Jamie has to lose the belt. So... I'm with you there. Are we ever going to see anything happen with Rebel? You know what? I am I am done. I had so much hope for her to be sick and tired of being a lackey and, and whatnot. And I just don't know. I don't even think because she doesn't wrestle. I mean, okay, she is the equivalent of a Brandon Cutler, right? So Brandon Cutler used to wrestle. Rebel used to wrestle. Now they are a character on TV. He does the whole spray canning with his goggles on and all that stuff. And I personally, I will tell you, that's dumb. I don't like it. I like it's Brandon Cutler. Yeah. I don't like it. I think it's tacky. 
I think it's hokey and corny and very Saturday mornings, 1980s again. Um, then again, I feel the same way about Danhausen. Um, yeah, we've had this conversation. I'm not going back to that one. I, no, no, no. And I agree. So God do, help do, us. Do I, do I think Rebel will will do her thing? I don't know what she's going to do. To be honest, I don't know what she's would do. I like. I've been waiting for it for three years now. Yeah, it's been a long I mean, time. I, I said that years ago that it's going to happen. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. At this point, I don't even care. I shouldn't say no. I, that's wrong. I shouldn't say I don't care. I'm not invested in it anymore. I, it's kind of irrelevant to me. You're emotionally just, just checked out. Listen to you. Emotionally checked out. I tell you what. I use big words. I'd say I don't give a damn. You would. More than myself. definitely would. You're from Canada. You're a hunter. Hey. You're an outdoorsman. You're a man's man. I'm not so much. I'm an in. See, you're an outdoor cat. I'm an indoor cat. Right? Fair enough. I like to be petted. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to a match that I'm really curious about where this is going to go. And this is going to be Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. And I love Ricky Starks. I love what he's doing. Um. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm really torn here. I personally think Ricky Starks is going to go over again, and he's going to beat Chris Jericho two times in a row, and I think it's going to be wonderful. But I think this match isn't going to be one of those fast matches where it's like a, a quick one, two, three. I think this one's going to be potentially a mat classic. I really, really do. And I think this could be a big coming out party for Ricky Starks, even though in a lot of ways – He's there, right? He's at the dance, mm -hmm. but I think this one will even solidify him even more. Jericho is just the perfect guy just to set people up. He's he's here. He's here. He's the pitcher in the softball game. He's he's lit lofting you these these big melons for you just to crush out of the ballpark. And I think it'll be really really good. I think we're going to see another great Y two J match, but we're also going to see him bring out the best in Ricky Starks. What's your take on this match coming up between the two of them? Fantastic. I'll go this far. Match of the night. I'm I dead very serious. Well very well could be. You got the Ricky Starks is so good. And Jericho is so good. And he's getting up there now. He's, he's no spring chicken no more. He's got a lot of miles on him. Hold on. Like, let's talk about that for a second. go. Where in the world did that phrase spring chicken come from? I don't know. There's so many cats. There's so many phrases we use, but we don't even know where the hell it came from. Spring chicken. Let's see what Google says. I just wanted to pause for a second because I thought that was like no spring chicken. Spring chicken. What does that even mean? If you're listening to this show going, the hell's going on? Yeah, you're thinking, what did I get into? Spring uh, chicken. I also have some uh, comments from Y2J as well about his wrestling career. We'll get to those in a second. But what do you got, Butt, on what is spring chicken? I'm working on it here. I looked up Urban Dictionary. Don't look up Urban Dictionary. I'm not going to. Urban Dictionary, I don't really feel like. I don't, know, I don't feel like it really. But you can usually count on something funny. Yes, but it doesn't so that's really why I went there. answer that I'm used to. 
Well, uh, here we go. Some of us are not that serious, Michael. Well, this is true. Spring chicken typically means young chicks, which are only available during the springtime. Intended for eating, these chickens are normally less than 28 days old, and they weigh somewhere between 750 and 850 grams. Let's see what else it says. He's no spring chicken anymore. Getting fit takes time and commitment, and you're no spring chicken. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I recently went on this this big uh, tangent about what do some of these phrases mean, these catchphrases, you know, that we use so often, but we don't even know what they mean. I'll have to bring that up. The origin of the phrase actually comes from its literal meaning. In the early 1700s, farmers found that chickens born in the spring brought better prices than old ones that had gone through the winter. Wow. There you go. I like that. That's according to gingersoftware.com. Well, thank you, Ginger Software. There you go. Um, Have you ever heard the phrase winner, winner, chicken dinner? Yes. Do you know there's a couple of stories that have been floating around about what that actually means? No. So the origins of winner, winner, chicken dinner is it's kind of speculated here, but it made its first appearance in the Great Depressions, uh, which happened in 1929. That's when the day the U.S. stock market crashed and it would lead to a long recession for more than a decade. Now, with that being said, you were lucky if you could even afford chicken to eat. Um, Now, the other thing that I heard winner, winner, chicken dinner was way early. I mean, I'm talking way early in the days of Vegas. If your slot machine had hit, you were considered the winner. And it was winner, winner, chicken dinner because you would win a chicken dinner at that hotel. So once again, don't know if that's 100% verified, but uh, that's what I have also heard in the past. I just heard it from Will and Grace. Will and Grace. Wow. Wow. That's a long time ago. They still have reruns. They do. I mean, I still watch All in the Family, so. Uh, Let me see here. Oh, I love All in the Family. Anyway. Moving on. Where were we? Um, We were talking about Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho, so. What do you think? What's your take? I mean, I know we both agree it's going to be a good match, but what Starks goes over? And you think this could be a, a potential match of the night? I'm, I'm not joking. Like I'm, I'm not just playing devil's advocate here. I think that's there's a strong possibility that's matching tonight. I just they're both fantastic in the ring. Like this is so true. They're going to put on a, a story in the ring. You know, you know, there's going to be some interference from the Jericho Appreciation Society. There's going to be a little bit of that. But Ricky Starks, you're pushing him. He's the guy you want to get behind. Jericho doesn't need you to get behind him. I don't think Jericho wants you to get behind him at this point in his career. He's in it now to get other people over. He's not in it to get himself over anymore. He doesn't need to. You know he can put off a great match with anybody. So it's it's truly irrelevant to him if people get behind him. He's still gonna people are gonna love him. You don't need to push him. 
You want to push Ricky Starks, create your new superstar, right? Have him going forward, you know, a future champion. You know, I think we can both agree on that. Right? And, I think he definitely is going to be a future champion. Oh, yeah, for sure. And in the ring, they just they're both awesome. They both put off great matches. You know, I just see you're further ahead to put Ricky Starks over Jericho. Makes yeah. more sense business wise. And so I just can't see why they wouldn't do it. Speaking of the aforementioned Chris Jericho, um, he has given some comments that have recently surfaced on social media. And he has said the following I don't hold a torch for WWE. To me, that's not the place to be. AEW is the place to be. It really is. I've been in the WWE and I know how it works. They work one way. I don't really care if Vince is there or Hunter is there or whoever is there. Jericho would go on to make the additional comments. I have zero interest in ever going back to WWE. Now, we know this is wrestling, right? Everyone's playing a role. Do you feel like this is truly Chris Jericho's sentiments? Or do you believe that he's just kind of playing the character at this point? I don't know. That's a tough one. I think he's probably just playing a character. Because let's be honest, if Vince or Triple H or Tony Khan, or not Tony Khan, the other Khan, Nick Khan, came in with a good enough offer, he'd go back. They all would. That's it's just the way it is. Wrestling, they all just go around and round and round. And if the right money gets offered, the right deal, he's gonna go back. He once again, he's he's a WWE legend. He will be in the Hall of Fame. Even saying stuff like this, he'll still be WWE Hall of Fame. Okay. It's gonna happen for sure. So let me what? let me throw this at you then. Let me pause you for a second. Moxley has said the same thing that he has absolutely zero interest to ever go back to that company. And he like literally said it in his book. Mm-hmm. F it. I don't want to ever go back there again. Do you believe him more so or is he playing a character? I would believe Mox more so. But at the same time, he's got to play it bit of a character. They have to. That's what it all is. It's all characters. But neither one of them can come out. Jericho can't come out. Like, well, you know, if, if Hunter gave me a call tomorrow and offered me a good deal, I'd think about going back. He can't. Makes AEW look terrible. Mox can't come out and say it, even though it's in his book, but right now he's with AEW. So if he writes in his book, Know that he considered going back to WWE while he's still in AEW. What's that say for AEW? Mm, not good. But he he can't. There's nobody can. It's just terrible business decision. And then it's all a big business, right? They're all in business for themselves, not in a selfish way, but they have to look after themselves first. And if he comes out and says, "Oh yeah, I'd go back if if the money was right, the deal was right, whatever." Well, you just buried the organization you're with. You absolutely did that. And what do you think is going to come of that? 
you're probably not going to be here. You're probably going to be back in WWE pretty soon. Yeah. Or New Japan or Impact or something. Right? Because they're just not going to have it. It makes them look terrible. Yeah. So, now I, I think most of it is playing the character. There's probably a certain bit to it, but if the right deal comes along, they're going to take it. You think Jericho's not going to take a Legends contract after he retires? To where he doesn't have to wrestle no more. But just gets the Legends deal, you know? Of course he won't. I, I, I don't know. I think a lot has to do with where the company goes when it gets sold. Fair and enough. I mean but that. If, if it were today, yeah, right now, Jericho would take it. Anybody would. Yeah, it's free money. You don't have to do a damn thing anymore. I think he would. I we're just going right. to send you a check every quarter. Okay. I'll take that. Let's go ahead and let's segue on to another match that I am curious about. And I use the word curious because I don't want to say super excited because I don't really want to get too excited until I really see what's going to happen. There hasn't been much build up to this. And this is some of the things that detractors of AEW will definitely say. They'll say, well, you know what? Sometimes random matches are just put together and there's no rhyme or reason. And then sometimes they do great long-term booking. The situation with the House of Black and the Elite, they're going to be going at it for the Trios Championship at Revolution. There hasn't been a whole lot of buildup with this. Let me ask you a question. I feel like this is kind of a definitive moment right here. Would you agree House of Black absolutely have to win the belts? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um. The reason there's no story to this is because it's the elite. It's just just because it's the elite. There's no story that needs to be told. They're always going to be around. They're always going to be in the the picture, the championship picture, whether it be trios, tags. Kenny Omega goes back to singles because that's what's going to come with this. Uh, House of Black are going to win this. Bucks are going back to being a tag team. Kenny's going back to be a singles wrestler. I think that's pretty clear. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but that that's what's going to come this. But the reason there's no there's no story to it is because you really don't need it. Uh, it's going to be spot fest is what's going to happen to it, and I don't say that in a disparaging way. But that's what's going to come to this. Uh, we're all going to be entertained. There's no story to it, but the match is just going to be. No high flying, and don't forget. But I mean, Brody uh, King's probably gonna smash somebody in the head, and he's just a big, strong, tough, nasty dude. Uh, Buddy Murphy can fly around for a guy built like he is. Malachi Black can move around really good for a fair sized guy, right? So you're just gonna get a, a really good match. Now, it would be more beneficial if there was a story to it. But, but I think that's anything. But you can only tell so many stories. There's only so many hours of network television every week or every month, however you want to look at it. So it's just they don't need to have a story to this one, unfortunately. It would help, but they don't need to. There's too much talent in that match for them to really need such a story to where if you don't have a story, it's a dud. 
don't know if that makes sense at all. No, it, it, it makes sense. And I feel like at this point, you know, you did all of this to bring in Malachi Black or Alistair Black, whatever you want to refer to him as. You did all of this to bring him in. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but he's really sat on the sidelines for a long time. And I feel like the House of Black, which could be an amazing faction if they had championships. And I feel like it would just elevate them and give them more. Um, I don't know. It would just it would give them more credibility as a group. And I think the elite, they don't really need the belts. I really don't. Now, let me ask you this. You, you, you said you think it's going to be a spot fest. I don't necessarily know because keep in mind. You know, the House of Black, they're not real spot fest guys. They can be, but I think this one will be much more brutal. Um, let me ask you, if the Elite do end up winning, do you think this could lead to a rematch? Or do you think, without a shadow of a doubt, House of Black wins this match? I think if House of Black doesn't win this, that's dumb. They have to win it. They they have to. You gotta end the elite as a trios. We gotta get moving forward. This is this is the direction you want to go with the House of Black. You want to have them as a trios, which is fantastic. Three very talented wrestlers. You can't just you can't keep the belt on the elite. They don't need it. It, it doesn't help anything having a belt on them. Nobody's further ahead. Nobody's bettering their career. Nobody's getting over because of it. AEW benefits greater by having the belts on Black Eye Black, Buddy Murphy, and Brody Kane. Whenever you speak of the elite somehow in the same conversation, you still got to bring up this one name, and it's been brought up a lot recently. Um, on Bust Open Radio, Mark Henry, who is an AEW guy, Mm-hmm. said that he believes, in his honest opinion, Tony Khan should bring back CM Punk, and they need to get that feud going. They need to finally go ahead and let these guys just go at it. He also believes that he should not have to apologize for anything, that they should just squash everything, come back and do what's best for business. And I, I can see the, the financial aspects of this, but let me ask you this question. You know, we've already heard Chris Jericho say that he's a cancer in the locker room. We also heard a lot of the vets say, we don't want him back, and he's not coming back. Do you feel like over time, we often use the phrase, time heals all wounds. Do you feel like he will be back, or do you, I mean, he's still, obviously still under contract. I mean, he's injured, so they're not going to release him yet. But do you think we will eventually see CM Punk back in AEW? No, and time doesn't heal all wounds. That's a bunch of crap. Fair enough. Sorry. Well, I grew up playing hockey, and and then I boxed. No, you don't just forgive a guy. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm immature, but you just don't. Not for that bullshit he pulled. If he was late to an event, that's one thing. You know, you give him a fine. He's paying for drinks for the boys tonight or whatever. He's an ass. He's proven he's an ass. He doesn't get along with nobody. Everywhere he goes, all you ever hear of is he's an asshole. So no, time doesn't heal all wounds. That's nonsense. That's, you know, after school special bullshit. No, 
So you're saying right now, no chance that you think he comes I back. wouldn't. Nope. Not a chance. Well, so so a, a good example is when I was playing hockey, we, we had a guy, he's very talented. But he just couldn't get along. He was just, he was an idiot. Very selfish, put himself first. And the one year, it was high school, and I was the assistant captain. And we tried talking to him. He was a year younger than me. We tried talking to him. It was like talking to a brick wall. Well, he just ended up not on the team because nobody wanted to deal with him. Right? We all went to the coach. Like, enough's enough. We don't want to deal with him. Nobody wants to pass him a puck. Nobody's going to. He was a smaller guy, very skilled, right? Not real strong, not real tough, and all of that, but he'd get into the scrum or whatever. Nobody pick up for him, which is very unlike hockey. No, you pick up for your teammates, especially a guy like me who is a bigger guy, bit of a, a leader on the team. You jump in to pick up for your teammates or your, your buddies. He didn't have any buddies on the team. Nobody liked him. That's CM Punk. Nobody likes him. Outside of Ace, what's his name? Ace Steel and FTR yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about the FTR thing. That still makes my head hurt a little bit. But the predominantly people don't like him. He rubs people the wrong way. Somebody like him in the locker room is just going to bring everything down. You're no further ahead. You're further ahead getting rid of him. It's well, unfortunate because he's talented, but he's just not with the headache. But let me ask you this question. I feel like I've been beating the drum on this one. Is let's say he did have a good attitude. Do you still think it's worth investing in somebody like that that's injury prone and is north of 40? If he's a good locker room guy, yep. Well, within reason. Well, I'm not giving him oodles and oodles of money. No. But if he's a good locker room guy. Absolutely. Look at Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Reynolds, gold dust, where you want to call him. Doesn't wrestle too much anymore. He's, he's, he's north of 40. Hell, he's probably 50. Right? But you still keep him around. Why do you keep him around? He's a glue guy. He's a great guy in the locker room. You hear lots of very positive things about him. Right? Jerry Lynn. Another prime example, Jerry doesn't wrestle anymore, but still, you know, you keep a guy like him around because he's a good person. He's a good locker room person. You can learn from him. So you always need that on any team. And wrestling is a team. The locker room is a team. They all got to work together, same as any other sport. So, no, if if he could get along, because he is very talented. He's injury prone, yes, but he is very talented. He's worth having on the roster for the right amount of money. You don't throw the bank at him, right? But he would definitely be worth it. But the way he is now or real world or whatever, he's not worth two squirts of rat piss. Well, speaking of speaking of that, things that are kind of unsettled. We're not going to really go into it this week because we have some other things we need to talk about. But I do want to get into this at some point in time, a discussion about 
Uh, Parker Bordeaux, I want to talk about him. I want to talk about Swar- Swar- Strickland at some point. And I want to talk about the uh, the baseball player who now is the most tattooed man I've ever seen in my life. His name is escaping me at this moment. But I want to kind of go into that whole thing as well because I think that's a very interesting type of mix that we've got right there. The problem I have is I feel like there's some people in AEW who have gotten on TV and who are being utilized and they don't have much experience. I feel that's one of the things that I do have a problem with. I don't mind going towards the future. I'm fine with that. I think that's great. But I also think that there's some people who just do not have enough experience to be pushed to the top. One thing I will say in particular, Jade Cargill. I'm just I'm just not a Jade person and she's been pushed to the moon and where have we heard about Jade Cargill or whatever name she goes by outside of really what she's done in AEW we haven't and I feel like she's been pushed 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 and it's like okay I get it you're moving to a younger generation but there are some other people here who have actually are more well equipped for this moment yet Jade just has that look um, I don't know if it's a if it's a political thing. I don't know what it may be, but I feel like there's other women wrestlers who definitely would be more suited to be the TBS champion. But we'll leave that for for another discussion. Um, wrapping things up here, talking about Revolution, the final one, the world titles on the line: MJF versus Brian Danielson in a 60-minute Ironman match for the AEW World Championship. I know conventional wisdom says that MJF goes over, but what do you put the percentages at that Brian Danielson actually wins this match and wins the world title? That he actually wins? 20%. There's a chance, but it's not a good one, though. So you're still, once again, fully in the corner of this is an MJF run that's going to last a while. Yes. What do you think 100%. about this match, an Iron Man match? Do you feel like it's necessary? I mean, a 60-minute Iron Man match is kind of a big deal. I mean, that's a big match. Do you think that that could have been a build-up match, like a blow-off match? Or do you think that this should be going this way? I think we should be going this way because what you're going to get out of this is an MJF signature win. This is the biggest match of his career type of thing. That's what you're going to get out of this. I am intrigued by how he's going to do on a 60-minute match. That's a, that's an hour, Mike. Think about it. That's, that's a long time. Does he have the gas tank for that? We're going to find I, out. I honestly don't. We we know um, Brian, Brian Danielson can do it. We know he can. That guy's just he's he's in great shape. Oh, he's he's had long matches. I don't know. What's the longest MJF match you can really think of? Fifteen twenty what, minutes type of thing. I would say the dog collar match he probably had with uh, CM Punk. Okay, fair enough. But there was there was a bit of down, there was a fair bit of downtime in that match. As best I can remember, I might be wrong. I mean, when you're in the when you're in the ring with with Brian Danielson, you're, you're really gonna have to keep the energy level up because he's a go 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 type of guy. 
in Max is more of your more conventional, slower, methodical, every move you, you posture out to the crowd or you talk to the audience. It's it's that heelish, it's that throwback, right? Yep. It's that um it's that feeling of that deep south wrestling. And so they're completely different in that category. Max can definitely wrestle, but you're right. Is it, Who's going to have to change their style to make this dance work? Is it going to have to be Brian Danielson who's going to have to slow things down? Or is it MJF who's going to have to bring it up a notch? Smart would be they're both going to have to tone. One's going to have to tone it down. One's going to have to step up. Because you can't expect one to totally cater to the other. True. If you if you try to make MJF keep up with Brian Danielson, he's just not. I I don't think that's there's not a lot of wrestlers that are going to do that. Going to be able to keep up with him. He's like the Energizer Bunny. He just goes and goes and that's it. But you can't expect him to cut it down to like you said your your Southern style of wrestling. Because that takes everything away from him. Then, then you see it as clear as day who you're catering the match to. So you're going to have to meet somewhere along the lines, somewhere somewhere in the middle. And I think that's why MJF will go over and he's going to benefit from it. going to be a signature win because he's going to up his game. And he's going to, it'll be a little more... A little faster pace as opposed to your methodical plotting heelish match because it will it'll help to do that for a sixty minute match gives you a little bit of energy, but you're gonna get tired of that in a sixty minute match even though you know he's playing the heel. But if it's forty minutes of him mouthing off and out of the ring and stuff, like, come on, you're gonna turn it off. Nobody's gonna watch that. But you, maybe I'm wrong, but. I don't see him just having a fast-paced back-and-forth match for 60 minutes, and it'll take away from his character because that's not his deal. But he's going to have to up a little more action. Brian Downson going to have to come down just a little bit just to make it realistic. I agree. Once again, this is AEW Revolution. It is going to be the fourth installment of the big pay-per-view extravaganza. It'll be taking place at the Chase Center on March the 5th in San Francisco, California. There's many different ways that you can purchase the pay-per-view. You can buy it traditionally. I believe it'll be on BR Live as well. So definitely check out different avenues as far as purchasing Revolution. It's got a big card. There's going to be a lot of very interesting matches, very interesting storylines that are going to culminate. Once again, Jericho takes on Ricky Starks, the guns, the acclaimed. And then obviously you're going to have Jay Lethal and uh, Double J and one other team to be announced. Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho in a triple threat for the AEW Women's Championship. Samoa Joe, the king of television in wrestling, takes on the former champion Wardlow. John Moxley takes on Hangman Adam Page in a Texas death match. And once again, what we just referred to, MJF takes on Brian Danielson in an Iron Man match. 60 minutes, guys, for the AEW World Championship. Once again, definitely find different ways to watch this. BR Live is one of them. Traditional pay-per-view is another one. But if you are in the San Francisco area, I definitely recommend checking it out. Tickets are still available, but they are going fast. Once again, it's going to be at the Chase Center in San Francisco, California 
on March the 5th. All right. Let's go ahead and switch gears here to another big event. We are less than 33 days away from the big, big event happening in WWE. That's WrestleMania 39. It takes place at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California on Saturday, April 1st and Sunday, April 2nd. Now, since the Elimination Chamber live event, there's only been three matches that have been confirmed for WrestleMania. Now, Roman Reigns will be taking on Cody Rhodes for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Charlotte Flair takes on Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bianca Belair takes on Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Now there is some other matches that are starting to come together. We are now seeing a Brock Lesnar versus what they are calling the Giant Omos, who is going to be accompanied to the ring by MVP. That's right, MVP issued a challenge at WrestleMania to Brock Lesnar on Monday Night Raw. Now Lesnar looks to face off against the seven-footer in the biggest event of the year. What will be happening? want to go ahead and talk to you about this one, but let me come bring you on in here. Um, there's definitely some matches on this card that I'm interested in. Right now, there's there's only four matches, mm-hmm. and it's a two-night event, okay? Four matches, two-night event. And that's not much. Now, granted, we still have five weeks, so obviously more matches are going to be announced, but let's talk about this first one here. Brock Lesnar and Omos. Uh, Brock Lesnar was in a program with Bobby Lashley, which ended in Brock Lesnar doing a low blow and Bobby picking up the win. But you would think that he couldn't get out of the hurt lock, so he had to cheat. You would think that that would lead to another match between these guys, maybe with a higher stakes, like a no DQ or a street fight or something. But that's completely changed, and now we see Brock Lesnar completely changing gears, and now he's going to be in the ring with Omos? What's your take on this one? I, I don't. I don't know, Mike. Um, what happened? I, I, can we just move on? I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't even I don't know what happened with this one because here's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing. So you had Bobby and you had Brock. And they're working out their program here. And you thought there might be a final match at a WrestleMania that could be just a, a, a showstopper between the two. But they break that up. And now it looks like you're going to have a Bobby Lashley taking on a Bray Wyatt. That's out of the blue. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't make heads or tails out of it. It's, this is honestly frustrating to me. Because it, it, it's so foolish. How are you going to make a match with Brock and Omos? Why? Because MJF challenged him? So that's the whole story? It's a good question. And I, do I you mean, think I, that match is going to be worth a damn? I think it's going to be tough to get these two guys to dance. I mean, you're right. MVP, he's a talker. He talked him into the situation. They played it up the story on Raw. But I don't. I see this. This is not a good style clash this is almost who is over seven feet tall awkward and i don't mean that in a bad way it's just physically he's just not he's seven foot tall of course he's awkward. I mean, how much are you going to be able to do big show i would consider to be awkward and then you got brock lesnar who can really go in any different style you want him to go mm-hmm. but you're going to put these two guys together never done anything to my knowledge before 
and it was just kind of like MVP comes out, hey, challenging Brock Lesnar, and now we're all supposed to get on the bandwagon that this is going to be a really great match. Like, I feel like this has Vince McMahon's fingerprints all over it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was the plan that they were going to introduce Omos as this big monster. But here's the thing. If you're going to introduce Omos at WrestleMania as his coming out party, this means you're putting him over. You are not going to bring in Omos and build him up and put them on the grandest stage of WrestleMania just to have Brock squash him. At that point in time, what have you done to the stock of Omos? He's young, right? He mm-hmm. is supposed to be somebody you're investing in. We talked about this with, with AEW. Brock is older. He only comes in at certain times of the year. So you're going to potentially squash a guy that could become more at some point because Brock is the guy now. See, I, I just, I'm just very confused because there was no story. And, and you said this before when you talked about the Bucks in the, in the House of Black. You said sometimes there doesn't need to be a story, right? Mm-hmm. But there needs to be something. We, we don't even know that these guys have ever even met or had some type of interaction with each other. I just feel frustrated with this just like you. I just don't know why this is the case. And then to come off something so hot, Bobby team, putting him together in a match with Bray, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I... I I seriously am questioning why these matches were put together. Neither one makes sense. I who comes out looking halfway decent, not even good, halfway decent out of Brock and Omos. Okay, almost wins, so he gets the rub of beating Brock. Well, so now Brock goes from the beast, you know this machine ass kicking and he just lost almost because let's not be be dicks here almost is a mid carter yeah right he's he's not that good and I'm not trying to to cut the man down I don't mean it that way but you need a big axe he's tall I got an axe of course (laughs) but no it's just He's just not, he's not there. You know, is he going to match power moves with Brock? I get that he's a big man, but come on. Like, you can't, you can't do that gimmick with him. He doesn't move well. And you're going to have him go over Brock, so Brock looks garbage. Really? So you you have a star, uh, I don't know how many times champion, losing to... A mid Carter. So then Brock's going to go away for a couple months or whatever it would be because you know the story's not going to continue. Brock doesn't do a full time gimmick. He'll be off for a bit. Right? So what what does that do? It, that's not going to work. And and Lashley and Bray. So who are you going to put over? And how do you make that happen? How do you make that happen to make sense? Well, just throwing guys in the ring, that's all well and good. AEW does it, WWE's done it, New Japan, Impact, MLW, blah, blah, blah. They've all done it. That's just the way it is. But these are two big names. You just throw them in with over five weeks out, less than five weeks out. You've got no story with Lashley and Bray. 
and who do you put over? So Bobby's coming out of just beat Brock. Bobby's looking pretty good right now. Bray's not, hasn't been great. His signature win since he came back was what, the Mountain Dew match? Yeah. Yeah, that was neat. That was cool. Okay, I, I get it. it. It appealed to some people. Okay, so you're going to have Bray over Bobby Lashley? Well, you just buried Bobby Lashley. I was just you, about to say, you, you're, you're going to completely take the heat and the momentum off of a Bobby Lashley, who I think definitely is good, because you're desperate to try to get Bray Wyatt hot again. Bray Wyatt might not be hot again, period. And there is some internal discussions that have been leaked that Triple H is having second thoughts. We heard about this several months ago. In fact, it was over the summer that he was having second thoughts about that brought back that Vince cut because they're just not living up to what he had hoped for. And Bray Wyatt gets lumped in that category. I mean, the Firefly Funhouse thing again. I mean, so we're just going to run that back again and, and act like that everything's fine. Like, Bray Wyatt's good, but what you've done bringing him back so far has not been good. Why is he not getting over? Why do you think Bray is not getting over? What's gone wrong? I think the way they portray his character. If you're going to bring Bray Wyatt back, I think you need to bring him back in a way where you leave the fiend in the past. Uh You leave the Firefly Funhouse. I can't even say it. In the past. And you bring him back just as Bray Wyatt. You bring him back as almost being a reclusive type of slow-talking guy that does his thing. And you bring him back. I mean, the Swamp character, whatever. I mean, you could have him come out carrying that that lantern. Mm -hmm. Shit, that that got him over big time. Not all this other goofy stuff with puppets and stuff. I don't know. I just I don't I don't like it. Yes. So if I had to say bring him back as something, give him the hat, give him the rocking chair, and have him go ahead and start doing his thing, being Bray Wyatt. Yeah, it's my take. Um, another match that I'm kind of shaking my head at here because I feel like it's going to be good, but I also feel like it's I don't know. We we've seen it a lot. We've seen Charlotte Flair as the champion for such a long time when she dethroned Ronda Rousey uh, recently when Charlotte returned. Now she's going to be putting her title on the line against Rhea Ripley, who won the Women's Royal Rumble uh, this past January. I think there's no doubt in many people's minds that Rhea Ripley should be the champion after this match is over at WrestleMania. I kind of feel like that may be not the case. I think sometimes in wrestling... Close, but just not enough is going to be the story right here. I feel like Charlotte Flair, from what I understand about her, she definitely likes to politic. That's what I've heard. She also is pushing for her and Rhea to be the main event of WrestleMania night one. Do I think that that should be happening? No, I don't. I don't think they should be the main event of WrestleMania night one. Charlotte's come back. She's had a match. She's done a lot of talking. I just don't necessarily... I think she's very played out. I think you could have matches with Charlotte and up-and-comers or other people that could be really good, but just... 
is she becoming the version of Rick where he just dropped the belt? Yeah, he won it 16 times, but he dropped it 16 times too. Is is she going to become the person who just drops the belt to people after she gets it? Yes. <laughs> I know it's a short answer, but yes, that's, that's what it is. Uh, if Rhea Ripley does not win this match, I'm done. I got it. I'm done. That's foolish. That'd be some of the worst. No, we just went through the the almost and Brock and Bobby Lashley and Bray. Maybe not the most, the best writing, the best creative. If you don't give Rhea Ripley a belt and you give to Charlotte Flair, just pack it in, boys. It's done. That that's stupid. Just pure stupidity. Charlotte Flair is not going to get a rub. She's not going to benefit from it. Rhea Ripley will. Rhea Ripley's her future. No, Rhea, and Rhea Ripley is damn good. Give her a title. You can't just keep going back around. Give it to Charlotte. What are you going to give to Charlotte till what? Survivor Series or something, maybe? I don't know. I, no. You give it to Rhea Ripley. Give it to her. Give her a chance. If it if her title reign doesn't go well, okay, maybe then you give it to Charlotte. But no, Rhea Ripley has to win this match. I'll go one further. Rhea Ripley has to win this match straight up, clean, no cheat, no bullshit, no foolishness. She has to win this match. That's what I think should happen. Well, when you think about, and this had been kind of the scuttlebutt, when it was coming out of WWE, this is a main reason why they put her in judgment day was because they wanted to prop her up as being, and that's why they put Dominic in there as well. They wanted to prop those two up so they could see what do we have in these two, right? We know Rhea's really good as far as wrestling, but we need to see more of a character out of her. So what have we seen the most out of Rhea Ripley with judgment day? Her character, her personality, the persona, the way she walks, the way she looks at people, just all of these small nuances, that is that total package when it comes to being a a great overall wrestler. Why do you think they put Dominic? You surround young, impressionable people with other veterans who've been there, done that, so they can kind of pick up on these different things, learn from them, travel up and down the roads with them. By no means am I saying Dominic is the male version of Rhea Ripley because that could not be further from the truth. That's like putting me and an anorexic person in the same room saying, ah, he's not that far off. No, the, the, the point of this is it's time. It's time to do this for Rhea. She needs this. I think if you're going to continue to build a big dominant heel in the women's division, you need someone. And I think Rhea is that person. You can always go back to Charlotte. They've always done it already. It, it's the same story. So, yeah, you can always go back, but you, you don't get many chances. You don't get many opportunities to have a first impression. And I think this is what needs to happen. You're right. It needs to be clean, and it needs to be her starting a dominant reign in the women's division. I think it goes without saying. And if she doesn't win, I think you're going to see a lot of very, very frustrated and angry uh, members of the WWE universe. Yep. Yeah. You nailed that right on the money, Mike. I do my best. 
Uh, let's talk about Bianca Belair taking on Asuka. So Bianca Belair, the EST, has been carrying the torch for Raw for quite a while now, and she's had a very successful run. She's taken on all challengers, and she's done it really well, and, and she stayed injury-free during this whole thing. Well, Raw definitely needs to have a little bit more of an influx in the competitors in the world title picture. Therefore, Asuka is back, but she got repackaged. We now see a different side of Asuka, a lot grittier side of Asuka. Plus, she's got the new face paint, the new mask. She's coming out. Fans are really are, are drawn to Asuka here. Let me ask you this question. In my opinion, even though Rhea Ripley, or I'm sorry, Rhea Ripley, even though I got her on my mind, Bianca Belair, is the champion. I think these two, meaning Bianca Belair and Asuka, could go out, have a great match, and I don't think anyone would give a rat's ass who turned out the winner with the belt because I think there's so much support for both of these women that I think either way you really can't go wrong, but I do think that you're going to keep the belt on Bianca Belair. I could be wrong. That's what my gut instinct tells me right now. What's your thoughts on these two? Uh, I'm a big fan of Oscar. You know that. Uh, she's not going to win, though. I, I think Belair does retain. I think it's going to be a very good match. Oscar's new gimmick. I liked Oscar's last gimmick. This new gimmick, I think, is dynamite. I really enjoy it. Right? So I, I think they're going to put off a great match. Uh, Oscar's going to lose. It's not going to hurt her. Which is just not gonna not gonna knock her out of contention or make her irrelevant or stuff like that. But I think it's still Belair's time to shine while you still can with her. I think you keep riding that horse for another little bit longer. And I, I think WWE would be better off with that as opposed to putting the belt back on Oscar right now. Because Belair's doing real good. Actually, she's putting off great matches. You know. People are not fed up with her. The fans haven't turned on her or nothing like that. So you, you got to keep going with it to an extent. I mean, we're not going to see uh, three, four-year reigns or nothing like that. But I think you, you keep that going where it is right now. Uh, they, they're they going to have a good match. Asuka's going to lose, but she's not going to suffer from it because it's still going to be a great match. People are going to enjoy it. Much like you said, which pains me because we're agreeing way too much lately on everything i don't like it i'm I just thinking, gonna make random shit up just to argue with you soon i think <laughs> i think when you were talking about this and i want to get your opinion if we if we can do callbacks right if we can draw connections to the past i want to say that i think this match you're going to see the two handshake and hug at the end and i think they're going to get a standing ovation and I also think it's going to be almost a uh, paying homage to Rowdy Piper and Bret Hart, WrestleMania 8. I think it's going to be really, really good. And I think that may very well be the match that people remember as one of the highlights of WrestleMania 39, is, at least as far as the women's division is concerned, if not the whole night. But I agree with you. Bianca Belair keeps the belt. She continues her winning ways. The, you, you made another great point. The audience hasn't turned on her yet. So once again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, normally we can tell by the vibe of what the audience is doing. Are they still in support of this person? Are we getting more, a little more booze? Are we getting just no response? 
She's still getting the response. It's still really going well. So I think you put her in there. They're going to tear it up. It's going to be a great match. But once again, I agree with you. Bianca Belair retains the Raw Women's Championship. Um, there's also some rumors right now that Ronda Rousey is going to be not necessarily repackaged, but they're going to end up putting her in a tag team uh, and going after the tag titles with Shayna Baszler. Now, I've talked about Shayna for years on this program, and I'm a big Shayna Baszler fan. I think she is phenomenal. I think Ronda may be in her best suited place in a tag team. I really feel like this may be her best opportunity. She can do her thing. She's can tag in and tag out where her shtick that she does doesn't get a little too old and a little worn out. She does a lot of those arm drags and whatnot. And I'm just like, okay, enough of this. But I think being with Shayna, who Shayna's good overall, like Shayna could do a lot of things well. I think those two together could definitely be really good. And if I'm going to do a callback, yep, I'm going to call them the Orient Express. I think they're going to be technically sound. They're going to be really good and have better matches. And Ronda will be known more as a tag wrestler than she was a singles wrestler. I don't know if you can call them the Orient Express for obvious reasons. Kato and Tanaka. Oh, I, okay. oh you mean 2023? Yeah. So I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore, Michael. I didn't know. You did. You didn't know it was twenty twenty. No, anyway. I didn't know it was twenty twenty three. Wait a minute, the Orient Express, Kato and Tanaka, great tag team. Never Fantastic. got many wins, but they were freaking amazing. I loved watching those guys. I agree, hundred percent. However, let's just move on from that one. For one of us says something bad, most likely me. So no, um, I never put any thoughts around in the tag team. Until you brought it up. I think if you put her with Shayna as a tag team, I think you're wasting Shayna Baszler. Okay. She should be in your title contention. She should be champion at some point. I don't disagree with you. So a singles champion. I think Ronda benefits from that. I think Shayna probably gets hurt a little bit. Or Maybe stay status quo, but I don't think so. I think it would it would draw her back a bit because there's there's just no benefit to her as a tag team champ as a tag team wrestler, most likely champion, but as a tag team wrestler, she's she's better as a singles. I mean, Shayna always puts off great matches. I mean, name really name a dud match you can think of that she had in the last couple of years. You can't. She, her matches are fantastic all the time because she's believable. Yes. You know, she comes from an MMA background. You know, she's tying them up in, in legit holds and not torquing on it, but you know what I mean? Much like Ronda can do, but Shayna seems more believable than Ronda. She's she's better rounded. She has more, a uh, much greater moveset than what Ronda has. I hope they don't put them together, personally. I don't know who I would put Ronda with, but I don't think Shayna Baszler is the answer. I, I, I just think you're going to hurt Shayna's career, her progression, because she's not young anymore either. So she needs to get her chance soon, or she's not going to get one. And that would be devastating. 
because she she deserves she's another one of women in WWE des- deserves the title. And there there are a couple that haven't had them that deserve them, and she's one of them. The one thing I will say is the reason why at least I think they put tag teams together is eventually break them apart. My opinion. I think you could ultimately build this up as a long reign together and break them up and then ultimately end up having a match between the two of them down the road. You could do long-term story booking with these guys. You could have the rise and fall of Ronda and Shayna ultimately leading up to a match at next year's WrestleMania, which I think would be really, really exciting. Um, as far as her being a champion, I mean, I, I'm not going to disagree with you here. She was the NXT Women's Champion twice. She was WWE Women's Tag Team Champions twice, obviously with Nia Jax. But she's never really gotten a chance to hold the WWE Women's Championship. And I think that's almost kind of a, I don't know, I feel like that's a, a slap in the face to her in some ways. But I also feel like if you're not going to put her in the picture as far as title contention... What do you really do with her? You don't really have a place for her right now. And you don't really have a place for Rhonda because that's not working out. So putting the two together, in my opinion, seems like it would make the most sense right now. Do you also know she's 42? Well, I didn't know she was that mature. No, but... Yeah, she's 42. She's older than, uh, well... Technically, she's older than me. Isn't that cute? Just saying. Um, I don't know. I'd have to. I don't know, Mike. I just don't want to see her as a tag team wrestler. I can. I look. I, I can respect I that just, completely. I just don't. I haven't put a lot of thought in. You, you did bring up a good point that yeah, if you're not going to push her to a champion, you know, the singles champion, have her a tag team, give her a rub that way fair I guess I don't want that I know that sounds really childish when you put it quite that simple but it's not what I want damn it I'm going to throw a tantrum because that's not what I want one or a single don't roll your eyes at me my wife does that you're not allowed to I already see that numerous times a day but it's just not what I I want to see I want to see her as a singles wrestler and I want to see her in the championship picture. Well, here's one thing I will tell you, and you also will not like this, so make sure you don't roll your eyes when I say this. I feel like, unfortunately, she's going to be ultimately squandered in WWE, and I feel like she's never going to get a chance to be champion. And I feel like very soon she's going to get put in that natty category where she's a great wrestler, but she's never really going to be looked at as a flag bearer. I just, that's my gut instinct. That's what it tells me. She's been with the company now. When did she come to WWE? 2017, 2018, I want to say, when she entered NXT. So it's not like she's been here for very long, but it feels like she's been here for much longer than this. But I just, I mean, they put her with Nia Jax. What did, what did that tell you about the tag team championship? It wasn't all that great. You know, Nia's gone because there was many things that didn't work out with Nia Jax. I felt like that was your one chance to really do something with Shayna Baszler. 
if we put a belt on her, will it make her more relevant to the audience? We did that, and it didn't work. She was she was successful in NXT because she was really good, but she was in a small pond. She's in the big pond on the main roster, and she's getting lost in the shuffle. And I think that's why people liked NXT, because it was more intimate. It was smaller. We got to become more familiar with the talent. Where with WWE, because there's so many people, we they only go through so many storylines per week, she's going to get left off. Right? It's just, we've talked about this. This is just the nature of the beast. Yep. So I think she is going to fall into that natty category, and I feel bad for her, but maybe this could be something that could lead to something more. I see them being tag champions, in my opinion. Um, you know, right now you have Becky Lynch and Lita. Who are the tag team champions? Yeah, they heard me right. Lita. Lita yeah. They're the tag team champions. Um, don't really have a comment for that. But um, it's funny. You, you, you bring up Natty. I'd love to see Natty and Sheena have a little feud. Why not? Well, those would be some good matches. Why not? I don't see any problem with that. All right. Let's get to it here. The undisputed WWE Universal Championship Roman Reigns takes on Cody Rhodes. Mm -hmm. Many people believe this is one of the best stories that have been told in wrestling in many years, and I would agree. Um, I guess the problem I have, and not to be this Debbie Downer here, is I think from the second that Cody went back to WWE, you damn well knew they were going to put the belt on him. You knew it. You knew it. Why would WWE go so hard for him, for Stardust, a guy they clearly did not think that highly of back then, this for they released him? Or he asked for his release, or however that came about. He asked for his release, I think. Okay, so then he did some stuff with, he did Bullet Club, he did stuff with New Japan, he did stuff with Ring of Honor, he did some other promotions he would show up at. He really built his stock up, much like a Nick Aldis, much like uh, Matt Cardona has done. Then he goes to AEW and starts the company. You know what I really think happened? I think WWE wanted to, you know, just kind of get that little knock on AEW and say, I bet we can steal away one of your guys who started the company. And... Do I think they're going to give him the belt? I do. I think they're going to give him the belt because at the end of the day, this Roman Reigns thing has to end at some point. It does. It has to end. Everything has a shelf life. It's been a great bloodline, but I think at this point in time, you're going to have to do something. You don't invest this much in Cody. You don't make him win the Royal Rumble, and you do all of this buildup from him winning three matches in a row with Seth Rollins to the torn peck to the documentary they did. And then he had a great match with Chad Gable on Monday night raw and they're going to do it. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those things where the suspense is almost gone. It's almost the cat's out of the bag. And if he doesn't win, we've been swerved, but he's winning it. Do you feel that you're excited about this one? Or do you feel it's almost the road to the top of the mountain is more fun than the win at the top of the mountain? No, I'm looking forward to this match. Uh, Cody's definitely winning. I mean, he's going over. Roman's going to take vacation. I think we said that 
for the last six weeks, though. Um, it's going to happen for sure. Um, is it a matter of WWE just wanted to take somebody back from AEW? Well, One-upsmanship? Well, rumor is there could be three more they're going after real soon, too. But you know, I'm sure you've seen that at some point in the last couple of days. The rumor's been getting kicked around by some people. Uh, so... We'll see what comes of that. That'll be interesting if that were to happen. But uh, no, I, I want to see Cody win a title. Uh, things were different when he was Stardust. Uh, I don't know if they didn't realize what they had. Or maybe Cody just wasn't as good then. Because you got to admit, he's changed a lot since he left. He's become a significantly different wrestler. And I think that uh, there was some growth, a lot of growth involved. And I think he's just, he's developed himself better in the ring as a businessman, uh, on the mic. Uh, I think he's way better than what he was. And they just, well, I'm sure part of it is a little bit of one-upmanship. Yeah, we want to we wanna take him back from AEW. But Cody wouldn't have went back if he didn't want to also. Well, let's let's not forget that, right? I mean, whether it was a money thing or not, I don't know. There are rumors there is. There's rumors it wasn't. But, no, well, if he didn't want to go back, there's, there's no way WWE offered him such a great deal that it's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be here, but I'm coming back. That's just impossible. So he wanted to go back. To what degree? Well, obviously, he's... Enough of a degree they left. No, is there reasons he wanted out of AEW? Well, who knows? Once again, rumor and innuendo says there's some nonsense going on that he wanted to get clear of. He's there because he wants to be. Cody could have signed anywhere. When his contract was up with, with AEW, you can't tell me there was only two organizations that contacted him. Or he could have just went back to touring around and, and wrestling wherever he felt like as a free agent. And he could have made oodles of cash. So I don't think it's that. He's back in, a, in WWE because he wanted to be back there. He must win the title that his dad never won. I think there is that is legit. 100%. And that's what he's there for. And me, I'm all in on that. I want to see it. I think he's going to win the title. And I think he's going to have a good run. I really do. If creative doesn't shit the bed, he, Cody himself, will put off great matches. He'll put himself through damn near anything for a match. So if this goes offside, I don't think it'll be Cody's fault. I think it'll be creative. Didn't understand what they had or didn't get it right. Or maybe they just straight up shit the bed. That happens as well. It'll be interesting. But I'm looking forward to it. It'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. Once again, I mean, it's it's a situation of he's over right now. The audience loves him right now. I also think that he did not like getting booed in AEW. I think he saw himself as the ultimate babyface. He really did. And I think when he did those vignettes with 
Arn Anderson, and he did all these different things where he said he was never going to turn heel. I think he could have been a white-hot heel. I really do. And I think he and MJF could have had a faction going. And I think that could have been really, really good. Once again, never ended up happening. He didn't want to get booed. Maybe that was part of it. Um, maybe he felt like the AEW audience didn't appreciate him. Once again, I don't know. Could be money. Could be the fact that that the company really didn't end up turning into what it was originally intended to be when they started it. And I've heard a lot of that as well. We had this vision, and now we're turning into this. And this isn't what I signed on for, you know. And you run the company. You have all the money. But I just, we're going to have to agree to disagree, and I'll go ahead and do my thing, but I wish you all the best. Maybe that is something. Normally, somewhere, the, the, the truth somewhere lies somewhere in the middle, and there's probably some falsehoods out there. There's probably some truths out there as well, but he and Tony Khan have agreed to never really discuss it publicly, and it seems like that is the case. Now, you did also tease about, you know, could a few other people from AEW jump ship as well and go to WWE? The rumor right now is that Kenny Omega, um, WWE has a lot of interest in Kenny Omega. Could that happen? Kenny Omega's contract is supposed to expire coming up very, very soon here in the spring. However, it does appear that AEW is going to tack on the time he was away with his injuries on to the end of that. So it looks like it might be somewhere in late fall early winter when his contract theoretically would expire. Now, would he go to WWE? He's made some comments and he said he's opened to anything, but man, it would be hard to see Kenny leaving the young bucks behind, especially after Cody did the defection Would the young bucks go without the young bucks. There's no elite. And that's why it's called all elite wrestling. If Cody, the young bucks and Kenny are all gone, they're the ones that had the concept for the company. Why would you end up just leaving at that point? So I don't think Kenny's going to leave. I don't think the Bucks would ever go. What I do think would happen is I definitely think they're going to play the the dirt sheet writers. You know, they're going to turn it up a little bit and try to get their goat just to see how far this can can definitely go. But no, I don't foresee that happening. Um, remember, guys, we are under thirty three days. Until the big event, which is WrestleMania, goes Hollywood. It's WrestleMania 39. It takes place at the SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, Saturday, April 1st, and Sunday, April 2nd. going to be a big, big match. Now, ever since the Elimination Chamber event, we're only three matches confirmed for WrestleMania. Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes once again for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Charlotte Flair takes on Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bianca Belair takes on Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship. And now we have the recent addition here on Monday Night Raw of Brock Lesnar taking on the giant Omos. So many things are supposed to be happening. We are less than five weeks away from the big event. Stay tuned to Monday Night Raw and to SmackDown for more information as more matches will be added. By God, they're going to have to add matches because if this is a two-night event and you have four matches announced right now, yeah, you, you better start booking shit pretty freaking fast. They and, need 10 more matches. Huh? They need 10 more matches. At least. Because if you figure eight matches per night, maybe that's too much. Seven matches a night? That's 14. Yeah, you're right. About around 10 more. Yeah. At least 10 more, maybe 10 or 11 more. And that's a lot. Yep. 
So we're going to see what happens here. A lot of people wondering, how did this whole almost Brock Lesnar storyline happen? Well, as we know, Bobby Lashley won by disqualification at their last encounter by a low blow from Brock Lesnar, who was unable to get out of the hurt lock. Now, we thought this would lead up to another match between the two, but it didn't happen. So what ended up happening on Monday Night Raw was Lesnar showed up during the VIP lounge talk show and asked what was going on with the giant Omos? Well, after MVP made a pitch to Lesnar and he accepted, they went for a handshake and a celebratory drink. Well, that didn't exactly happen. MVP spit the drink in Lesnar's face, albeit unintentionally, but then Lesnar went crazy hitting F fives in response. Looks like the two are going to be going at it. Stay tuned to WWE raw for more buildup of this match. Once again, four matches announced Many more to come. All right. Man, I think that's just about everything in my tank right now. What about you? Is there anything else that you can think of that you want to discuss about AEW or WWE? Not for this week, but one I'd like to, to do soon, if we could, was a, was a post you put up yourself on Twitter about the men that AEW should have in their on their roster who should stay, who should go. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. We should do that one. We should definitely do that. I'm all for it. You guys have been amazing. Once again, thank you for another tremendous month of downloads. February was tremendous. We do apologize. We didn't have our four full shows. Uh, we only had three shows. This one being the very last one on the very last day of February. We're going to be coming back in March, obviously giving you a full slot of four shows and so much more. Big announcements are going to be coming on the way, too. So a little spoiler alert there as well. All right. For the butt, for everyone here at the MLW Radio Network, my name is Mike Freeland, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Break. My name is Mike Freeland, and if you're looking for an exciting wrestling podcast to add to your library, then look no further than the Front Row Material brand. Don't miss it. It's the Front Row Material brand brought to you by the MLW Radio Network.